Welcome to On and Off the Pitch. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus. I hope you're well. Thanks for dropping by. Uh, getting straight into it. Uh, when these two teams last met, and I'm talking about uh, a game that I went to, uh, Liverpool and Crystal Palace, uh, the winner had home advantage. Right, Liverpool... Uh, were at the start of their campaign, and so were Crystal Palace, and the game would go the way of Liverpool. Liverpool. Liverpool would take all three points, they would win the game by two goals to one. And all of the goals uh, were scored in the first half. So in their latest encounter right at Crystal Palace, uh, everything would say that the home team would have advantage as they welcomed a, you know, a high-flying, well-run Liverpool and, and Crystal Palace were doing well. Both teams on good form uh, and Crystal Palace were no doubt upbeat uh, after their well-fought win against uh, a, a very tough opponent in terms of uh, Durham. So prior to kickoff in the last round of games, Crystal Palace were uh, sitting in the top four. They were third and Liverpool were the leaders, right? So we all hoped for a blockbuster game. We all expected a blockbuster game, you know, and when the final whistle blew, we didn't get anything what we hoped for. And it and it's a bit a bit a bit disappointing, but we didn't. It, it was pretty much a one-sided encounter, in all fairness. In all fairness. Um, the result in itself was confirmed within the first half, within the first 30 minutes, roughly. Uh, first half, uh, Liverpool were 3-0 up. Um, Liverpool were extremely dominant from the start of the game. They had a barrage of corners going towards the Crystal Palace uh, goal. Uh, and Crystal Palace keeper was very, very busy. Emily Orman, very busy. Um, stretching, reaching, punching, pushing crosses away as best she could. Uh, one attempt to push the ball away fell directly uh, onto the post. It clipped the post. And another um, another attempt on goal um, was pushed away uh, by Ullman. A, a very sharp shot from the right-hand side or the left-hand side of the pitch to the keeper's right. It was a good save. So in terms of this encounter, Crystal Palace at home, Liverpool on their travels. Liverpool provided everyone in attendance and, and, and for those watching and those who've been able to watch the game, a clear demonstration of how effective they are with the ball right across the pitch. I mean, I was impressed. The individuals that I spoke to in, in, in the stands were impressed at the way Liverpool played. They played in a manner that you would have thought that they were the home team. They had that kind of self-belief. They had that approach. They had that and, you know, for a better word, stature, as they moved around, they seemed to be taller than the other players, if that not necessarily true. Um, they demonstrated from the from the get-go a, a high press um, to, to deal with Crystal Palace. And um, from the start, this was made easier by Crystal Palace's attempt to, to play out from the back uh, in terms of their mode of play, their their pattern of play for, in, in terms of that. Um, there was indecision. There was an inability to control the ball quickly. 
in any area, um, maybe patches and in, maybe in the second half, but in the first 45, it was far from apparent in terms of the, the ability for them to control the ball and actually find a teammate. And I would be bold enough to say that they lacked confidence in this game and it, and it wouldn't be something to say too lightly because the Crystal Palace have been playing really, really well this season. And I said already that they uh, had an away win against Starham. So everything was in their favour in terms of, of this fixture. You would expect this is third facing first and, and, and they would actually try and put something forward in terms of their challenge in terms of promotion, because this is this is what it's all about. Um, but in terms of the, the high press from Liverpool and Crystal Palace's consistent lack of, a, of their, their inability to, to find a pass and find a way out, um, all of these factors kind of set the foundation for Liverpool's success in the in their last round of games, and and it, and it set the foundation for for Crystal Palace's undoing in in at the very least in the first 45 minutes you know because it it just didn't work so you know in the first 45 you have you know palace's midfield and we talked about the defense palace's midfield just seemed unable to get up to speed with the tempo of the game um they seemed too far away from the center forwards <clears throat> they didn't seem close enough together uh, they couldn't find their feet when they were making a pass most of what they attempted to do didn't work. Most of what they attempted to try fell into the path of their opponent with ease. You know, in comparison, you know, I would say that uh, Liverpool and Liverpool's um, furnace, Reg Furnace, mm, excuse me, uh, was audacious, you know, uh, flamboyant, hardworking. There was a, a swagger about Liverpool in terms of their play. There was a swagger. There was a, a, a hard-working, determined swagger. And um, Rachel Furness was involved in a in, in much of the build-up, like most of their players, because they moved the ball very, very well across the pitch, you know, from front to middle, or some from back to, to, to middle to front, and, you know, from either side. You know, Furness was involved or involved in a couple of heavy incidents, heavy challenges or collisions, which stopped play. Uh, but when mobile, um, she was consistently on the move, always showing for the ball, always making herself available for the ball, for the pass. And, and, and when the pass arrived, had the awareness of the options around her. You know, what I will say, you know, sitting in the stands, watching games on TV are great. They're great. I love it myself. But when you see players firsthand that you've only ever watched on TV, it leaves a, a deeper impression of what it is that they do on the pitch and their playing capabilities. And I I have never really, I mean, I've always thought Rachel Furness was a good player, but I've never truly appreciated how effective and how important she is in a game and, how, and, 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 and what kind of impact she has. And it's not just through... Uh, flicks or tricks it's just being visible all the time and being available all the time for her teammates to kind of link things through and not that she was the 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 pivot for most things in the the, the Liverpool team but when she was on the ball 
the pass seemed to be an effective pass. It seemed to do something to hurt the opposition or move them in a direction that they didn't intend on moving. Um, so in a nutshell, Palace's loss, the foundations were set within the first 45 minutes. You know, it was very much not a performance that I have seen from them this season and not a performance that their fans would have expected, nor the players themselves. They will be very, very upset with what happened, but the game is gone and we're talking about it. So in terms of the second half, you know, changes were made, three changes by Palace. Um, Everett, Farrow and Cowan come on. And with that, this it, it slightly altered the direction of the game. There seemed to be a, a greater degree of success going forward for Crystal Palace, more forays forward, you know, in particular from Liz, Lizzie Waldy, who, when moving forward, does so kind of like an athlete's way, got a kind of good, a, a, a lengthy stride and able to deliver the ball in with a left and, and actually a threat from corners as well. And there was one moment in the game where she had a very good header, which went past the post. And another day, it could have gone in, but it didn't. Um, you know, Farrell was very busy um, keeping the, 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 the central defenders busy, running into channels, attempting to link up play. So there was definitely a, a, a greater emphasis in terms of patterns of play from, from Crystal Palace point of view in the second half with the substitutions. Um, in terms of the game itself, it, it was pretty much one way in terms of, you know, the attempts towards goal, to Crystal Palace's goal, like I said, the first five, six minutes, probably five or six corners in a row. Um, you know, in the latter stage of the game, there were shouts for a penalty for Palace. You know, Baptiste went through on goal. Um, I thought it was a penalty. You know, I did, um, but the referee awarded a corner. Um, so, so that in itself is, is, is kind of tells you the roundabout luck that Crystal Palace had during that game. You know, Furness, you know, stood out, you know, with her play and she would get her goal and definitely a standout player uh, for, Chris, um, for Chris Palace. For Liverpool, two goals from Jana Daniels, um, Rachel Furness with one. But I must give a mention um, to obviously to, to Kernan, who's great on the ball, great control, balance can go either way. You know, awareness of other players is fantastic. Um, but Katie Stengel, you know, um, heavy collision with the keeper, black eye for her efforts and a goal for her efforts. Technical, quick feet, strong, can score goals. Liverpool have another player who loves to score. They are basically totally in control of their destiny, totally in control of how they go forward game by game in terms of the, the results. It is literally over to the chasing pack, uh, whether or not they can keep pace with Liverpool and actually put up the performance, which will disrupt their season in the games coming for this part of the season. Um, if I were to say what it was that stood out for me for Crystal Palace and for Liverpool, I would say five seconds as a phrase. From Crystal Palace's point of view, five seconds too slow, five seconds too long on the game, on the ball. And, and it makes a difference. Liverpool just seemed to be five seconds quicker everywhere, anticipating, 
passing, awareness, you name it, they had it. Um, and it really, really was a very, very dominant performance from a, a team in full flow. Um, I was fortunate to catch up with um, the Liverpool manager, Matt Baird, um, after the game, and we can hear some of his thoughts right now. So at any point in the season so far, have you felt slightly nervous with the players felt slightly nervous with the, the chasing pack that is? Uh, no, we just, we, we set ourselves like a target the first half of the season, so we worked in blocks and we worked on points. We didn't focus on the game, we focused on um, us developing as a team. Um, whereas now we're just, this one's dead and buried, we won't even look at it, we'll just now focus on, on Lincoln next week. Because uh, for us, it is about this game, we utilise clips if we see a team do, like as an example, we got pressed by Watford last week and we knew Tottenham would press us, so we use some of the clips from the Watford game to prepare us for the Tottenham game. So um, we're just focusing completely game by game and as long as we win football matches then we're going to get promoted. If we slip up, the pressure's on the other ones still to chase us, so I'd much rather be in the position we're in. Um, and especially that first game back when we played Blackburn because London City never played, Bristol City never played and it just stretched us a little bit further um, and that puts teams under pressure um, you know we've managed to get we managed to get the three points in and as I say what we're going to do now is we'll recover we've got a couple of days off and then we'll focus on Lincoln and hopefully that's, we'll, we'll get through that tie and then we'll turn our attention to Coventry Alright, all right, thank you very much Cool, no problem yeah, Sweet, thank you Thank you very much Cheers, thanks so, um, really, it's all down to, to Liverpool and how they pursue each game and how they plan for each game. And for the chasing pack, he's very clear, you know, they've got a little bit of a gap and the pressure will be on the team's chasing. Uh, in terms of Crystal Palace, uh, the pressure, I suppose, they felt it a little bit. And that's why the game or their game plan didn't come you know, fall into plan. They didn't, you know, get the result that they wanted. But, you know, Crystal Palace playing at home have been really good this season. The reality is, is they met a really good Liverpool team on form. And, you know, as I've said already, you know, they have Furness, who looks, you know, in the flesh, in on the pitch, absolutely fantastic. And they required a really good striker, Stengal, Katie Stengal, black eye, sort of at the end of the day, but really heavy black eye. But um, has an eye for goal, and when you you see the way that she scores her goal, she earns that herself. She makes it, takes it, and you know Liverpool uh, are going to be absolutely unstoppable. It would seem it it will take something very very special to push them off the tracks as in terms of what they want to do uh, week in week out. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, anyway, after this, we're going to talk a little bit about the other games. Mmm, don't you love a drink? Nice hot cup of tea. Uh, okay, so in terms of the results for the uh, FAWC, we're going to whiz through those. Uh, Lewis uh, at home uh, with two goals um, and Sunderland with none. Uh not good for the lasses. Uh, they're trying. They've had a few players uh, missing, I believe, left, work, etc., injured. Um, and they're going through a bit of a tough time. 
but they are still there in the mix. Uh, goals by Dalton and Mason in the first half. Lewis uh, would go down to 10 men, you know, and uh, you would have thought at that moment that uh, Sunderland might have kind of picked up a little bit of momentum, but they didn't. Uh, Lewis still get the win. Sunderland also saw one of their key players, um, McCatty, get a late red card for a mistimed tackle. You know, it does happen sometimes, you know, because I have to say, going back to the, the game I just talked about, the, the Crystal Palace-Liverpool, the challenges are going in thick and fast and it's really easy to miss time and tackle. Really easy. Um, so it, it can happen. So we, I get it. Uh, Lewis, good result for them. They're now seventh in the league. Uh, Sunderland are ninth. Um, you know, they haven't had a really good time uh, playing down teams in the south. Uh, not of late, so, but they will keep going and they'll keep trying. Uh, the championship, if anything, is, is very special and you just can never tell who's going to uh, get a win and where they'll get a win. Uh, Durham. Durham uh, would share the points with Sheffield and a goal apiece, uh, even with their ex-Coventry United player, Ria Hardy. Didn't see that coming. Uh, who should have scored, definitely. Uh, should have scored an onside goal anyway. Uh, they'll be upset a little bit, I, I'm sure. But um, a, a Heppel penalty in the first 30 minutes and a Rayner equaliser in the late five minutes, the last five minutes, should I say. Uh, and Durham uh, have to share the points. They are 10 points, Durham. 10, 10 whole points behind Liverpool. And Sheffield are 16 points behind Liverpool. That's how, That shows you how dominant Liverpool are at the moment. They are really going some. Um, away from Durham, Watford, new manager, Watford get a point, Watford get a point and so did Blackburn, nil-nil, no drama there, no goals to report, but Watford will be happy and considering the issue that uh, Coventry are facing uh, with possible points deduction, who knows whether that's still going to stick, uh, Watford will feel that the point is like three. They'll be happy with that. You know, they didn't lose and it uh, probably uh, puts them in very good stead going forward for their next fixture. Coventry United uh, played host to London City Lionesses and, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, they were almost, almost there for the win. Almost there for the, I say the win, that's a point. A point is a win right now for, for Coventry. Um, but a late, late, I want to say late, last 10 minutes, uh winner from LCL's KT KLT Thompson is uh that's right oh, so many letters there uh in the last 10 minutes will seal the win for London City Lionesses um for Coventry it's a long path that they're on you know and they're still in the fight they're at the bottom of the league they have negative equity in terms of points um, but they still have heart and they still have hope and they, they're bringing players in. So so that's going to be interesting for them going forward. And, you know, you can only but have positive thoughts for them, even if you're not a fan of Coventry, but you're a fan. Everyone's a fan right now. Uh, London City Lionesses sit just behind Liverpool on 25 points, the second. So, it, it and you know what? It changed. At one point, Charlton was second when... when London City Lionesses, you know, hadn't scored and it just came to move. So just goes to show how quickly the league can change. Uh, Charlton. Charlton win at home. Bristol away. Not a great day for Bristol. 
um, they will be upset with this because they were in a good, good, you know, good form before Christmas, and um, you know that's that's not good for them. Uh, Charlton will be happy, you know, they almost were second, uh, but as I said, um, LCL foiled their ascent, so it's a, a good win. Um, H and H on the score sheet, sh score sheet. You say that with your teeth in. Uh, um, Hoochin and Hughes, 25 minutes and 73 minutes on the clock for both in terms of goals. Charlton are now third in the league. Third in the league. Oh, so, you know, the championship. How can you not like the championship? Love it. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. That's where it is. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about WSL um, just after this. WSL results, woo, first, second, third, it's all change, all groovy, who knows what's going on, wow, everyone's getting hyped, everyone's getting hyped, results and performances are improving, for some, not everyone, uh, we'll start with Manchester City, uh, who, you know, will be less than grateful than for a share of the points, you know, considering, uh, with the league leaders, but a goal apiece for each team. Now, question, everyone, most people would have seen this. Should the referee have stopped the game when the ball hit? hit? Should the referee have stopped the game? I mean, I, I, I'm confused. I thought that that was just what you did, you know, bounce ball, but obviously it didn't, didn't happen. Uh, anyway, with that, hemp just so damn good direct and very direct she is and um you know could have made it 2-0 could have made it 2-0 but for a weak finish but it didn't she didn't and it was very casual in the strike and uh could have cost the team all three points probably did uh those are the moments that count um anyway uh, for arsenal uh, a super sub from all the way from stateside uh, in the shape of Heath, uh, would score the equaliser and make it all level. Jubilations at the end, kind of, uh, it's a draw. But, you know, for Manchester City, they're moving in the right direction. Arsenal, not necessarily so. It paused for a moment. Uh, elsewhere, Leicester versus Aston Villa. Um, this game was strange when I was watching the highlights. Uh, the bobble pass, <laughs> you know, bobble passes are all the rage, you know, that just bypass defenders and everyone just kind of, it's just like the matrix of football uh Leicester deserved the point you know after throwing everything at this game you know they deserved the point at the very least but a pass which should have been stopped should have it should never have made its way to Lehman does slots it past the keeper killer you know and this is football you know uh great feeling for um, the Villa fans and the Villa players absolute absolute just heartbreak for, for Leicester to know that almost so close to get the result that they want, to get the points that they need to keep them in the WSL. Um, going elsewhere, I'll tell, this is one that's kind of, you know, I, I, it was very strange to, to see how this game would have panned out. Excuse me. Mm. The, the Manchester United-Tottenham game, you know, never quite sure what would happen because Tottenham have been on a really good roll. 
Well, Manchester United just literally said, thou shalt not pass. They put the skids on the Spurs' progress. A glut of goals. And you know what I like to see as well? A lad flying through the air. A lad. Not a not a boy, but a Haley lad. Um, what can I say? Uh, it's 1-0. It's 2-0. It's 3-0. Spurs' inability to cut out crosses for the third goal by Golton. Again, the bobble pass. Go figure. Uh, the goals made the game look easy. Made it look pretty straightforward. There were moments, obviously, for, for Spurs to, to score. Didn't take them. Um, but it moves these two teams in the opposite direction. Manchester United, they'll be super happy where they are. They've played a few more games, but they sit second. Spurs, not second anymore. No, not second anymore. Um, Birmingham and Reading, right? Okay, Birmingham, I don't know what you're doing, trying to score these goals early, but you're, you're scaring people by doing things like that. Uh, <laughs> two goals by Birmingham, surprised Reading players, probably surprised everyone who's watching, commentator, etc. Uh, good for the game because you can see that this fight in this team. Uh, I, I actually thought the second goal, the pass, the pennant was fantastic, so cute, so cute. Um, and, and the pass made the goal achievable. Um, so Birmingham sitting, you know, with two goals up and thinking that things are great, but it's about stopping the goals going in. Reading, fight back, materialised. Boom, did they do it? Penalty, Dowie. And then the, from there, they just go on and they get all three points by scoring. Uh, the fantastic goals that they do. Um what can I say? The, the WSL, I mean, I like it, but I still have so much love for the for the FAWC. Just, I don't know. I just do. I just do. Um, so it, it is what it is. So one of the things that, that's happening right now, um, this week, because we're talking uh, about uh, the FA Cup coming up soon, um, is about what fans have been doing. And... Uh, how fans have come together and and they have generally come together um and we're, we're gonna i'm gonna mention that in a moment just just after this i'm gonna mention that in a moment right now so um you know following Coventry's kind of issues before Christmas and and uh, the ongoing discussions that have happened with fans, you know, the 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 um, women's football fan collective emerged, you know, headed up by serious individuals who are determined to kind of put fans' voice at the heart of of kind of change without. I suppose the FA being anywhere near it, probably a good thing. Um, there is real a real conversation taking place about uh, the FA Cup and the FA Cup prize money. Okay, uh, a tweet um, which I was uh, grateful to catch by or retweet by Craig Hadley. Hi, Craig. Um, basically, says that the increased prize money would ensure the long-term stability of a lot of women's football pyramids. Right. So, in mind, with Coventry in mind, right. You can see where this kind of conversation is going. Um, you're making a stand, basically, about 
what what's required from those who are the custodians of the game, those that have their hands on the the tilt, uh, and 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 where fans fit in to that. And and there there is a, a plea, there is a, a campaign, fan based, fan led, uh, going on to join each other and promote what's happening with the game on on the 51st and and 71st minute and um what what's really important is that you know this is about making women's football more apart, apart from viable just sustainable you know this is this is what it's at and we you know and not to be too political but i'm going to be political this campaign is is taking place in the back room or, or or in the attic of what's happening in the rest of the world. People like sport, what's going on? And there's politics. And we've had months of uh, political parties in a particular country running the country in a certain way where they're giving money to their friends. And I don't care if I say it. People will be like, you shouldn't say that. I don't, I'll, I'll be telling you, on this platform, I say what I goddamn well like. It's that, it's that simple. So when you are asking fans to promote something that you run and they do it, it's not because they're compliant fools. They are passionate individuals and therefore they have a voice and they have ideas of their own. So the campaign is quite simply this. No ifs, no buts. It's called We Want an Equal FA Cup, right? So I'm reading it verbatim. On Saturday, the 30th of January, 2022, 32 teams will compete in the fourth round of the Vitality Women's FA Cup, right? The winners of um, the tie will receive £2,000 in prize money and the loser, £500. Woo! Sounds a lot, right? Uh, for the finalists in the Vitality FA Cup, winners will receive £25,000 and the losers, £15,000. In the men's FA Cup competition, fourth round winners receive £90,000. £90,000. The lucky winners of the men's FA Cup competition bag £1.8 million. The losers, £900,000. Uh, and quite simply put, whichever way you look at it or try to justify it, these numbers do not add up. So that's why the Women's Football Fan Collective formed in December 2021 to hashtag protect women's football after news broke that Coventry United LFC were being put into voluntary liquidation are calling for an equity or for calling for, excuse me, hashtag equal FA Cup. We invite all women football supporters to voice a collective demand for equal FA Cup prize money. Equal women's football deserves an equal playing field in the present and for the future. Equal to the rights to FA's historic wrongs. Equal football. Women's football will never be financially viable as long as women footballers are not paid properly and justified for their work. So there you go. Equal. No ifs, no buts. Equal. FA Cup, right, I'll say, okay, so on the 51st and 71st minute of every fourth round tie, we'd like you to join in um, with the chant, no ifs, no buts, we want an equal FA Cup. Now, do what you want, you know, do the chant, have a banner, send a tweet, do it all. Um, 
on the 51st minute to mark the 51 years since the first Women's FA Cup final. And it's on the 71st minute, an honorary, in honour, sorry, should I say, of the 1971 year since the first Women's FA Cup final, okay? Uh, I, I think I've read that wrong. No, sorry, in honour of the 1971, the year when the FA ban of women's football was finally lifted. Correct. Apologies. Uh, Shea videos, sound clips of the chant with the, the with the tag, hashtag equal FA Cup. Uh, you can find the women's uh, women's fans. Um, let me just make sure I've got that right. The, 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 the women's football fan collective uh, on Twitter. Um, campaigns there. You can do it all. Reading the small prints difficult, you know. Um, so yeah, there it is. That's it. That's that's the thing that's happening in terms of equality. You know, it's strange. You say something and then you see things happen. You know, I am not part of any particular club. I, I don't profess to be used to, but I realised that I was being, you know, restricted in my views. And I, I just want to watch football. I just want to watch the game. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter where it is. Um, I'll, I'll like whatever's on in front of me because... In honest truth, when it comes to football, you should just enjoy the game. You know, we're not here long. So enjoy it. Uh, elsewhere in the world of transfer news and transfer windows, there is some conversation going on about the transfer uh, deadline day date being changed, whether it's the 27th or the 28th or, you know, April the 1st, who knows? Uh, and I'll go back to the point that I made uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week. Um, you know, if your team doesn't bring any players in, does it matter? Because at the end of the day, with the actual campaign about an equal FA Cup, there is already a recognition that clubs don't have the finances. So if we're going to do this campaign and say we need no ifs, no buts, equal FA Cup, we all know that there are clubs that are, are disadvantaged. We all know that there are clubs that are starting off in a very difficult position. We all know that if we talk about bringing in players where clubs don't have the money and there isn't the fan base and there isn't the TV money coming in, that it is a false economy. That's why it's, it's a false economy. So we might just have to just, you know, like what we see, support the players, and be grateful that, you know, the players that we do see can play football because there was a time they couldn't. Anyway, that's it from me. It's sweet, it's short, it's sharp, it's punchy. Do what you can, be where you can, stay safe. I'm Rodney Cyrus. This is On and Off the Pitch. And until next time, laters.